You are listening to Executive Chat, hosted by Clarice Arnold. This podcast will catch a glimpse at the lives and perspectives of some wonderful business leaders of today. Hey there, friends. I'm Clarice Arnold, and you're tuning in to the Executive Chat, the podcast where a future executive interviews current executives. The goal here is to catch a glimpse at the perspectives, lives, and minds of the business leaders of today. Today, joining us, we have D.H. Griffin, the founder of the D.H. Griffin Company, and David Griffin, his son and president of the company. On that dreadful day, September 11, 2001, terrorists flew airplanes into the World Trade Center and collapsed the Twin Towers. Shortly thereafter, to clean up the terrible debris and wreckage, D.H. Griffin became involved in clearing away the debris in a safe and efficient manner. What do you remember about those days? Can you tell us about that experience? Uh, you know, September 11th affected everybody in different ways. Myself, no different. I was right here in Greensboro when it happened and watching it on TV and uh, just couldn't believe what we seen. And, uh, and as the day went on and over the next day or so, uh, you know, everybody was wanting to help in different ways. And, you know, some people was donating money. Some people was giving blood. Uh, America was uh, really, in, uh, at least in my lifetime, nothing like we'd ever seen before. And uh, everybody was wanting to help. And uh, so myself, no different. The more I watched it on TV, uh, I made a decision to say, you know, I think, uh, you know, how can we help? And so I decided to drive up and uh, and try to see what I could do to help. And that's kind of how we how we got involved in, uh, in the project. That's amazing. Now, I wanted to ask um, this question to both of you. Um, were you always interested in construction and demolition? We do demolition. We do building. We do grading. We got about six or seven different companies we work in. We still work them yeah. all over the country. Yeah, and my dad got started at an early age. He started, yeah. he started, you started hauling scrap when you was what, 15, 14? 14, 15 years old on the farm. Yeah. Uh, so Doing in the scrap bin and then started buying used cars, selling parts out there on the farm. And then he started. Sold a lot of cars, then, a lot of used parts. And then he got in the demolition business when he was 19. Yeah. His first project was, uh, his first project was tearing down a church. Yeah, a church. And you saved all the lumber, didn't you? Sold it all. Some of it I built my house out of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. He used the lumber to build his first house. And why he, to my sawmill and sawed up the lumber and built a house out of so, And while he was doing that, they came, they wanted to know if he wanted to bid on another pro or bid on a project. And he asked them what he, what they meant. And he found out you could get paid to do it, yeah. didn't you? So, uh, <laughs> he bid his first job and, uh, Just kept on getting them. In, in the first two years, they did everything by hand with a crowbar and sledgehammer. That's the way we used oh, wow. to do it. They had no equipment. Goodness. Just with their hands and and by hand. They tore down houses. And, and uh, I finally bought a 7G loader first, I think. 1961, he bought yeah. his first piece of equipment. So, wow. Now, I don't know how many pieces we got sitting around. You go up on the highway yeah. and see them. We've got a little over a thousand pieces of equipment today. So we've been yeah, very at least. Goodness. That's awesome. We've been blessed with a lot of good people. They still work good. Now, did you have a mentor or a role model in your life 
that helped you along? I guess so. Somebody helped me along. You know, I had a lot of good buddies. And probably your grandfather yeah. got, gave you a good work ethic. Yeah. And yeah, your father. On the farm, yeah. Yeah, your father and your yeah, grandfather. Yeah, they showed me how to do business. Yeah. And what about you? Obviously, Yeah, I mean, father. my role model was my dad. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I knew early on that I loved our business, and uh, I was fortunate enough to, after I got out of school, to come to work for my dad, and and uh, he took me under his wing, and uh, and learned a lot. He's still working, getting the work done. He looks after it. And my, and my mom also. My mom was very involved in her business, and uh, I think she gave us all a good balance of uh, right and wrong, and uh, you know, just uh, how mamas are good about it, <laughs> you know, letting it. So uh, my, my mom was very instrumental in that. You're still business. selling the biggest part of scrap right now, ain't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I used to sell most of it. But now I'm resting up watching them. <laughs> nice. Now, your first job was at the church. Yeah, it was, was a church. A church? Um, so that's, that's very interesting. I it out of my sawmill and put it in the house over here, didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but what was, what so was I your built first four, job? five, six houses. At, at my first job at D.H. Griffin, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> probably working on the scrapyard. Uh, working on the scrapyard, and then I worked in a, uh, we had a landfill. Yeah. Worked, I worked at the landfill for about a year, and then, uh, and then that was over here on Wild Davis Road, wasn't yeah. it? And then my first project we out of town. We still got that land over there, I think. A lot yeah. of it. Yeah, and then my first project out of town was a Coca-Cola plant in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. So that was a good job. Yeah, I come down there. Yeah, yeah, you come down there. I used to go to all them jobs years ago, but I about quit it. I used to me and Charlie Alpha flew that plane all over this country. Yeah. Charlie was a good pilot for me. Absolutely. Tell us about starting out in the business. I just like to do whatever I could, make a deal and sell it. So how long have you been in this business? When did you start? What, 60-some years? Yeah, a little over 60 years. I'm 82 now. Yeah. Wow. Commitment and how long? Have uh, you been in I've business? been full time with the company now, thirty six years. Wow, goodness! David gets them straightened out now. But I, he I, does I, most of the work now. I, I just watch him. But you know, also I tell people in some ways, uh, my whole life. Those you know, I've been involved in it and around it my whole life. It used to carry me to jobs when I was four or five years old. And uh, I remember one night my mom used to tell the story at. Uh, they wound up, he was supposed to be home at like 9 or 10 o'clock that night, and uh, we didn't get home to about 5 o'clock in the morning. That was before cell phones and everything. He, I think he finally called, called her at about midnight, and she asked him, where is, she didn't really care about him. She oh, he's fine. He's over there, and they put me up in a culvert and put some coats on me, and I was sleeping. He had somebody over He said, he's over there sleeping in a pipe, but... Uh, he's my, on the job. But my mom was not very happy yeah. <laughs> about where he had left me and about she had kept me out. He'd kept me out all night. You remember that? Yeah, been a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. goodness. Yeah. Yeah, so I on used the job from a lot of places. Age. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. We used to go all over the country, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. We went to Atlanta two or three times. Or two or three hundred, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goodness. We used to go a lot. That's awesome. But I don't go as much now. They they all look out the most of it now. I just sit over here and watch it. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty but nice job. But you'd be surprised how many people call me a day. 
that I done business with 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. They still keep in touch with you. Yeah, they call me. Yeah. And you always answer the phone. I do. I answer my phone when it rings. Yeah. That was, you know, as far as talking business, too, uh, one of the things he taught me early on, which I'm breaking my own rule right now, uh, the importance of answering your phone and, and of getting back to people. And I see it with a younger generation and even out of our, you know, over a thousand, you know, thousand employees. I see it a lot. So got one, about of the things, one of the things I'd share on the podcast and I tell a lot of people that come to work here, it's real important if somebody calls you to get back in touch yeah. with them. Yeah. And you'd be surprised though, we see it even in our own company sometimes, how many people don't get back in touch with people or don't think it's important enough. But you never know what somebody, somebody's calling you, they need you for something. So you should give them the courtesy, even if it's just two minutes to return their call. Absolutely. And like I say, a lot of people, and I see it all the time. It's aggravating to me, and when people don't call me back, you know, it's so it's just I'd say a, a lesson learned. I talk to a lot of people that come to work here, like get uh, get back in touch with people. Communication is very key. You're doing a good Absolutely. job, son. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Communication is everything. Yeah. I don't like That's to do why as this much now. Is so I still talk to a lot of people every day. A lot of people call me. Yeah, I know it. Do you remember? The first person you hired? Let's see who it was. Was it Larry? I think so. Or Lloyd Bradford? Them two. Yeah. I would think Larry Fields. Larry and Lloyd. Larry was the first, and then Lloyd. And then Lawrence had to be pretty close in there. Lawrence was a very good man. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of good people. A lot of them was kin. They done a good job. And we got now, David, around 1,200 some people yep. that we were. Yeah. How many years would you say it was until you had 100 employees? It wasn't too long. We kept growing. We growed on pretty fast. I would say after about uh, 20 years, probably. Oh, wow. Goodness. We still got a lot of people. It's about 1,200 now, ain't it? Yeah, about 1,200. You have 1,200 now? I think so. Yeah. All over. Yeah. We've got people in Texas, still got people up in D.C. and New York and everywhere, ain't you? Right right now we have projects in about 20 states, so we're very fortunate. We've been blessed, a lot of good people. What qualities do you look for in your employees? You know, one of the things we look for is people, uh, you know, it's it's honest employees, and I know that this kind of sounds cliche, but we kind of tell all our folks, you know, just do what you tell people you're going to do. Uh, I know all the time we'll have people in our or come to us and, and our own employees and like, well, hey, what do you think we ought to do on this? And I usually start with, well, what did you tell the people we was going to do? Like they, yeah. You know, let's let's figure that out. You know, I don't care what's in the contract. What did you tell them? Yeah. You know, so because sometimes what in communication and then what gets on paper sometimes two different things. So I'm always curious to know. I use the word the spirit of the trade. What 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 do you remember from it? And I use it a lot in negotiations. And so if me and you cut a deal, and I remember the spirit of it, and then six months later, if you're doing something 180 degrees different, that's fine. I just remember that, and we probably won't do business down the road because I don't. But back to so being honest, you know, hard, like my dad said, hardworking, dependable, you know, showing up, but the honesty and and shooting people straight is probably kind of at the top of the list for me because I think it comes back to what I've seen 
in our with our teammates, if we're upholding our end of the deal or if we're doing what we said we was going to do, that solves about 80% of most issues. So then you're only back dealing with 20% of just all kind of stuff that can come up just like in life and in jobs. So if you got people that's honest, you're, you're well on your way to being successful. We got a lot of customers that have been with us for several years. We still do their business. Yeah, we got several customers that we've been doing business with for over 50 years. Yeah. They still wow. work with yeah. us. Awesome. How important is it to you to participate in enhancing the community, whether it be in schools, churches, or other endeavors? Uh, I think it's the backbone of what we do. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously this, this, the triad region is our home. Uh, so it's where we live. It's where our teammates live and work. So helping give back and support, you know, the communities is, is vital to the success of the our community we live in so kind of our not just our future but our our employees and our teammates future so and we try to be very active in all the communities that we work in and serve in sometimes it may be even not just where we have an office but doing a job we try to get involved like in one town Kannapolis North Carolina we don't have an office there but you know we've done a lot of work we've there. donated a lot to do help uh to build a $150,000 habitat for yeah. humanity house uh, in a community where we was working. So just, yeah, it's just this simple because there again, we've been blessed and uh, you know, we try to give back where we can. That's awesome. Now, what are you most proud of in your career? If you could pinpoint something. Uh, you know, individual projects, obviously 9-11 was a, uh, a big thing for me, but it's kind of hard to celebrate something that was so tragic. So yeah. it's kind of the Super Bowl of my career, but it's hard to celebrate. So, but I'd say at the end of the day, uh, given you know, like today with over twelve hundred uh, teammates uh, and and coworkers, giving other people the opportunities to to grow and learn and uh, and extend extend and expand on their career and, and just with opportunities. That's what I love now is bringing in and recruiting people and giving them opportunities. So naturally, it helps our company too, but it's uh, it, it makes you feel good that you're helping, you know, support it. It's uh, you know, kind of the merit fulfilling and living out the American dream. Y'all are the definition of the American dream. Goodness, starting out with a church, using some of the lumber to build your house, and now it's this huge company. That's awesome. Now, did y'all, y'all are from this area. Aren't you? Yeah, I was born and raised here in Greensboro, and my dad was born and raised over in Brown Summit in Rockingham County. Rockingham County. Goodness. And where did you go to school? I went to Western Guilford uh, High School, and then uh, I didn't go to college. I just finished high school. I take that back. I went to GTCC for four weeks, (laughs) and then uh, then I threw the towel in, and I got to thinking. I said, my dad had a ninth grade education, and I finished 12, so I felt like I was a genius. So okay. <laughs> I said, if he's, got, if he's got nine years, and I got 12, I think I got enough. So. Well, I was taught a lot on the farm. Yeah. Tell you. Yeah. yeah. My dad used to tell me, because he, he grew up on, they were sharecroppers, so they was very poor. And, uh, but, but they was blessed and they got a lot of work. But he's told me, I bet a, a thousand that it ain't hardly a day it used to go by that something he learned on the farm growing up that he didn't apply in business somewhere. Back just to, you know, just using the, they didn't have a lot, but learning how to use what they had. Yeah. yeah. You know, just, and, and made it work. He used to plow them mules. He started plowing <laughs> a mule at nine years old. Wow. Yeah. 
Most people yeah. are not going to get that kind of education today. Well, today they might put you in jail for that. <laughs> for, for that, but uh, but it was part of it. You just mm-hmm. uh, we worked the farm. Yeah, worked the crops, the bacon, used to hoe it. Yeah, the dirt around them. Now, Mr. Griffin, you always answer the phone, and you are always on the job. Now, what time did you get here this morning? Don't uh, you come here really early? Five thirty or six. I'm usually here about six every morning. Goodness. What I go does, down there and see the men. Yeah. What does your schedule look like every day? And what I go somewhere like? every day. Yeah, he gets here early, and then he goes out and rides around, looks at different things, and checks on it. And He's still putting in about ten hours a day. I don't wow. the yard this morning. Yeah. That's commitment. I checked them out down there. Uh-huh. And what does your schedule uh, look like? My schedule, I, I, I get in more around... Uh, 7.30 or 8 o'clock, but I usually go later in the day. Uh, usually my day finishes up between 6 and 7 at night. Uh, and of course when I'm traveling, it's uh, kind of from, you know, usually when I'm traveling it's more, you know, 12 to 16 hour days. Because when I'm traveling, I try to get as much done, you know, traveling hitting two or three jobs in a day. Goodness. What do you think is your secret to success? The what? The secret to success. In your opinion, just sit down and look at it and work hard. Do, do the best you can. I think uh, back to the same thing: uh, doing what you tell people you're going to do. Yeah, uh, do it right. And uh, and you know, and when you got a discrepancy, trying to uh, so- work on solving the problem, not winning arguments. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's a good uh, advice to people when you got when you're in situations because so many people just want to prove something one way or another and I'm I'm more of a problem solver. You know, problem problem finders are a dime a dozen, problem solvers are uh, the people that do well in life. Some of these people in here that we've been doing big jobs for all over the country. Somebody calls me every week. Yeah. Sometimes more than one calls me. Yeah. I've done business with for many years. And you answer every time. I do. I answer this phone when it rings. That's awesome. I'm going to ask one more question, and it could have the exact same answer as the last question. What's one piece of advice that was given to you, maybe earlier in your life, that's really resonated you, well, resonated with you throughout your work life, your career, and just life in general? My grandpa taught me well back on the farm. He was a smart man. What were some of the things he taught you? Told me how to show me how to plant tobacco. Do the crops and all that. Gave you a good work ethic. Yeah. We worked on the farm now. Yeah. Every day. Again, for me, it's just, uh, you know, every day, uh, trying to make good decisions, uh, not only in business, but in your personal life, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and again, I, like I say, don't sound just, uh, striving every day to do what you tell people you're going to do and being a leader uh, you, you can't just you can't just talk it you got to walk it because if you're the leader of the company all eyes are on you so if I'm out saying one thing but doing a different thing that's really sending a bad mixed message uh, so really just uh, trying every day to, to practice what you preach so. let me ask you something back out there on the farm didn't I have about 400 acres mm-hmm 200 on one side and, and 200, 200 on the other side. We had 400 acres. Yeah. So we done a lot of farming. 
my grandpa did, and we kept it going. Yeah. They was hard workers. He can tell us the stories off target, but they was plowed the mule, and I think it was about 15 when y'all got the first tractor. Yeah, that's right. 15 is right in there. And it was either you or your brother Jimmy. Didn't y'all slip up and mess up some tobacco? And you oh, man, he, he wanted to whoop us. <laughs> and he, and he, he made them go back and plow with the mule. He wouldn't let them use the tractor because, uh, because they messed plow up, tobacco. they messed up a row or two of tobacco. And he told them to get that thing back to the barn and, Get, get the, the mule. mule. We get found the mule. mule. Get, the, get the mule back out because he was upset that, you know, they, they was learning that they, they slipped and messed up a little bit of the crop. And that was it. They didn't get to use the tractor. They'd get to use the tractor to get uh, the land get ready. They'd get the land ready and, and, and get the heat. But once they planted it, they had to go back and tend it with the mules. Oh, goodness. <laughs> he was old school. Yes, that's as old school as it gets. Yeah. Goodness. That's a great story. Thank you both so much for coming on the interview today. Once again, we have had the privilege of speaking with D.H. Griffin, the founder of the D.H. Griffin Company, and David Griffin, his son and the president of the company. I'm Clarice Arnold, and you just tuned in to the Executive Chat. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Executive Chat with your host, Clarice Arnold.